my whole desire at the time was I just want to walk the way he's called us to walk. Like he's saved me and I just want to serve him. Welcome to Walk Like a Hebrew. I'm your host, Jody O'Dell. This is episode 10, part one of a conversation with Alicia Stubbs of Provo, Utah. This podcast is entirely listener supported, so if you like what you hear and you'd like to hear more, please consider making a donation by visiting sheholdsforth.com and clicking the donate button. That's S H E H O L D S F O R T H.com. Welcome to Walk Like a Hebrew. I'm here with Alicia Stubbs of Utah. Hi, Alicia. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Good. Where do you live in Utah? We live in Provo, Utah. Provo. I mm-hmm. just was reading something about Orem, and so that was what wanted to come out of my mouth, and I knew that wasn't right. The reality <laughs> is if you live in Provo or you live in Orem, you don't know because it's all the same city. <laughs> I mean, literally city. from just south of us all the way up to Ogden, Utah, which is a good hour and a half, there's nothing but straight city. My grandparents and great-grandparents lived in Ogden. That's where yeah. my, That's where my family is from. Ogden. Yeah. So I I remember a little bit about that city from when I visited at age 10. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to guess it's probably changed a lot since we were 10, right? (laughs) Uh, Yes. I I would imagine so. That's been quite a while, hasn't it? (laughs) It's definitely changed a lot since I was 10. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah. So I am a business owner and a wife, a mom, a grandma, um, obviously a Torah keeper. I've been a believer since I was 17. I will be 47 this year. So that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I have five children. Two of them are biological. Three of them are, you know, stepchildren, although I don't call them my stepkids. I have five mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. um, together, my husband and I have a, a beautiful family with four grandbabies as well. And we live here in Provo, Utah. I've lived here for five years, five years, six years, six years. <laughs> Sometimes it gets hard to count, doesn't it? It does, it does. <laughs> so the obvious question is, growing up in Utah, you're a tour keeper now, but were you Mormon? Yes, I was born into a LDS family. I was baptized in the church when I was eight years old, but my family was never, um, they were not like what would be considered hardcore Mormon here. My dad was a Jack Mormon, which means somebody who believes the church is true, but practices nothing about it, <laughs> doesn't okay. go to church um, kind of thing. Um, it's just a slang term that's used here. Huh. My mom's family was much more practicing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I grew up, I mean, that was the ideology. If I had questions about God that I was given, um, we went to church, you know, Easter and Christmas and when my grandma would come into town. Um, but, but I wasn't, um, so typical. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't, I mean, that it wasn't something that we, like, it wasn't like we went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Although like my, my grandparents were temple goers, like going and doing all the temple, temple endowments regularly. So mm-hmm. very practicing, but okay. yeah. Wow. And then tell me about how you became a believer when you were 17. Yeah. When I was 17, I was born in Sandy. I mean, that's just a suburb of Salt Lake and lived here for the first part of my life growing up in little Sandy, Utah, which as you can imagine is pretty much your whole world growing up that way. You don't understand that there's anything outside of Mormonism. Right. Somebody says, God, you, you equate that to the Mormon belief structure because it's just your whole culture. 
Um, But my best friend growing up had moved in from Texas and um, she was Lutheran and her parents would invite me to go to vacation Bible school in the summer and my parents would allow me to. And so as a little girl in the LDS church in Mormonism, I understood as a tiny young thing that there was actually something outside of Mormonism that believed in God and trust in the Bible. So we had that understanding, even though if you know anything about the Mormon culture, it is so like it's hard to understand outside of that, especially, I mean, when you're talking, you know, in the 70s. (laughs) So um, in early 80s. Um, and so when I was 17, um, my now ex-husband actually, um, we got engaged and he decided that, you know, well, if we were going to get married, this was the time to, you know, quit being wild and crazy and get kind of um, on board with this God thing. And he was actually the son of a, of a preacher. Okay. And so, and his dad had passed away. I'd never met the man, but um, both of us were pretty wild and crazy. And apparently in his mindset, he needed to make sure that we kind of settled down. So we started going to a church that his um, sister went to. So so I was 17. I was wild and crazy. Um, the guy I was engaged to determined that, you know, I needed to know about who this God was, if he was going to marry me, um, and started bringing over a gentleman named Brad Scott to share the gospel with me. <laughs> so, that is amazing. Gosh, yeah. what a small world. <laughs> so small, so small. Oh, so then... Yes. So then we started going to Bethel Chapel, which um, was at the time, I mean, we're talking um, mm-hmm. 1990 probably, and um, our pastor at the time, Preston McNutt, um, they both were pastor and assistant pastor of a church called Bethel Chapel, a Pentecostal church, a Sunday going church, a standard Sunday going church, and that's where we started mm-hmm. going. Wow. Okay. So what was your depth of involvement in your Sunday keeping church? Like, were you in ministry? Were you a leader or were you just a a pew sitter? I mean, how, how important was being involved to you and your husband? Um, well, when, when I was first born again and we were, you know, part of Bethel Chapel way back with Brad, um, nothing. We, I mean, we just went and participated and, you know, we weren't leaders or anything. I mean, we were both just barely getting our stuff straight, you know, so right. neither one of us right. belonged in any sort of leadership. We went yeah. to, you know, Bible study every week with Brad and Sunday church every week with Brad and, and Preston. And, um, I mean, we just, we were just digging into the word at the time. Um, but then we moved in, I guess I'd say 94, 94, okay. we moved to, Idaho. You know, we were kind of lost as far as where to go. And Brad had suggested just going to a Calvary Chapel. Um, and so going there, that's when we became really involved in the church. My ex-husband was part of the worship team and we taught Bible studies at our home. Actually, we did a church Bible study, but we also did our own Bible study outside of the Calvary Chapel branch too. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so you guys carried on doing that for however long and then was there one thing that was a catalyst for moving you into this messianic Hebraic lifestyle? Or did it happen gradually over time? Just tell me how that all came about. So I think the biggest thing is, is like I mentioned, um, Brad was my very first Bible teacher. Teacher, He was the very first yeah. introduction I had to the Bible. And so even though at the time, way back in, you know, 1989 and 1990, Brad was still part of traditional Christianity, he still mm-hmm. taught from a Hebraic perspective. The Bible studies we went to every week in his home were still from a Hebraic perspective. Huh. As a new born again believer, I never I never thought that the Old Testament and the New Testament were like they were opposing each other. That was not anything I ever understood because Brad never taught that and he was the only oh, person wow. I got that from, right? It wasn't until yeah. later on when we left Vernal and I left underneath this little like protective cloud that then <laughs> I, and I walked into know, traditional Christianity, which quite frankly, to be clear, there was nothing about Bethel Chapel. We didn't think we were separate from that. We were 
a Pentecostal church that, you know, met on Sunday and we loved Israel and much of what we did, we spoke about, you know, Israel and them being God's people. We always did Passover seders. So although back then they were more of the traditional, um, the way that, you know, a Christian church will put on a seder. Right. Like Jews for Jesus style. Yeah. Like a Jews for Jesus style. Exactly. Um, And so, so I'd always been aware of that. Brad and his family didn't celebrate Christmas. Those things were different than traditional Uh Christianity, but I had no understanding how the Christian church was different than that because this is all I'd known. So, so leaving this little protective bubble of Vernal and going to Idaho Falls and going into a Calvary chapel, that was really confusing just because I, I really, really, really loved the word and I really, really loved studying it. And so I was somebody who was digging into the word consistently for myself and already had the seed planted about what the word was and covenants and all that kind of thing from Brad. So I'm reading the word and I, I felt like I would go two steps forward in my own devotional time and one step backward every week at church. Personally, I did not understand that it was because the church was teaching me something separate from the the Bible, which I think most believers don't. Right. I just thought it was. <laughs> no. that I, I mean, they wouldn't, right? No, they wouldn't. I just really thought it was that he had been to seminary and I had not, and so. I could see that there was these missing pieces, but I didn't grasp what the Holy Spirit was telling me in my devotional time and how that seemed different than what he then was telling me in church sitting pew time. Um, And so I probably just misunderstand is really, was really what I felt like. So um, a few years later, my then husband and I moved to North Dakota that removed us out of the church. The type of church that we were used to going to was very few and far between there. It's very um, Baptist, very Catholic and very um, like Lutheran. So very different than if you're coming from a Pentecostal or even just charismatic, like a Calvary Chapel background. Um, and, and so we would go to church and we'd pray about being there. And we really felt that Yahweh kept saying, no, not here. No, not here. Um, and Mm -hmm. through that process that gave us about a year of no input from the church. So we went from being very active and in a leadership role and, also feeling somewhat confused, right, to now alone and having no input other than, you know, I'm sitting and doing my Bible study. Now I have the Holy Spirit only guiding me and not the confusion of other messages. And that really was, that was really huge for us. About the same time we were moving, which would have been in like 97, that same time, um, we felt convicted that we, we'd started keeping Passover again on our own in Idaho, um, just because it was something that we'd learned from Brad and kind of felt like, oh, we're going to go back to that. Right. And then probably the first or second year after we started doing these little seders on our own, we felt convicted to just do the feasts of God. We were like, oh, you know, those celebrations of God in the Bible, the other ones right. like Passover. Right. <laughs> like, maybe we should do those too, just because they were what Jesus did. You know, that was like our vernacular yes. then. That's what yes. that was our yes. heart. It was like, well, that's what that's what he did. And so let's just do them just kind of like something that we're going to do for a year. And we did. We just we only committed and planned on doing it for just a year. But that's actually that was probably one of the biggest like turning points for us. There was a bazillion things like for me, there was not one thing. There was a period of time, probably over 18 months of beautiful things of Yahweh bringing in little like what would seem completely inconsequential threads into my life um, that mm-hmm. together were like the very thing that was what he was trying to, you know, bring me to. Um, and so, you know, one, number one, just always feeling like I was two steps forward, one step back in the church, but not understanding why. Um, obviously, just the fact that my first Bible teacher happened to be Brad Scott, <laughs> who poured yes. so much into me. And I'm looking at right now a bookshelf full of books he and Carol have given me over the years yes. that are like, 
like probably a thousand dollars worth of research books. You know what I mean? Wow. Just like his, oh, wow. so to have yeah. somebody like that, just as your mentor with, and being like so young and dumb and not even understanding how, <laughs> like how rich of a heritage yes. that is to have somebody pouring oh, into you like that. Oh. Um, oh, what a blessing. And so, so things like that, beautiful, beautiful things like that. But for me, my desire at that same time, if you, you know, remember all that time in the nineties, there was the whole, what would Jesus do <laughs> phenomenon? Yeah, what would Jesus do? Yep. 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 That was huge to me because my whole desire at the time was I just want to walk the way he's called us to walk. Like he's saved me and I just want to serve him. And that was my, that was my heart's desire from, you know, a brand new baby believer. So as this whole, what would Jesus do thing came about, my heart just latched on that. Um, I wanted to just know what it meant to be holy. I wanted to just know what it meant to, to walk the way he asked me to walk. When I would ask those questions in church, the answers were so nebulous. Yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I remember asking my Bible teachers, my Sunday school teachers, even as recently as my late 30s and early 40s, right? which commandments are we supposed to follow? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Which commandments? Because the only list of commandments I know of were done away with at the right. cross. Right, right. <laughs> so no. what are we talking about here? And that was my, that was my exact internal struggle, the exact internal struggle. So at the time that we had started, you know, just for the sake of something that Jesus did. So we felt like we were actually teaching our kids something that Jesus did and like, oh, this will be so neat for them to see what it was, you know, what the things that Jesus celebrated were. As we were doing that, um, my heart was so struggling with, you know, the the song Refiner's Fire. That was a song we sang over and over and over again at Calvary Chapel. I mean, probably twice a month, right? Yep. Still, to this day, it's one of my favorites. And it used to just bring me to tears to to sing that song. And I think that was one of the the moments of like, I have to have more than just being a Christian. Um, In the sense that I understood that there was more required of me, not because of salvation, but because of the great gift I had. Um, And And so in, you know, in that song, you know, Refiner's Fire, My Heart's One Desire is to be wholly set apart for you, Lord. I remember that day just bawling in worship, which that's not unusual, but it was as I was, as I was in this space and crying out to God and the realization that my whole being was crying out to be holy for him. And so as I'm, as I'm wrestling with this of like, okay, so what does that look like? I can, I'm crying out to you. And what does that look like? And the reality was I have no clue what it means to be holy. I have no clue what that looks like. And I'm wrestling with this thinking, it's not just being kind. It's not being shiny, happy people. It's, I know a lot of people. There's a lot of people, especially in the area I live in, they're lost. They don't know Yeshua and they're very shiny and they are very happy and they are very, you know, (laughs) servant. uh, Mm -hmm. The the culture I live in, um, you know, in a Mormon culture is very servant oriented, very much so. And they're lost. So those things don't mean that you're actually being holy for God, because doing those things that we label as Christ-like things, those can't just be the things that label you're doing the holy things. And so for me, it was very much the realization that my heart's desire to walk in a holy way before my king, who had done so much for me, was so strong and I was clueless. 
Like I had no clue what that was supposed to look like. And that was kind of the beginning. And then we moved. I mean, it all happened mm-hmm. so quickly. Then we moved um, away from Idaho to North Dakota and we had no church. And I still had this deep desire and was studying the word on my own. And I felt like I was now kind of getting my head pretty cleared. And we were starting to keep the feast just for the heck of it. And all these things are coming to, you know, coalesce all together. And at the same time, I had this same question that you mentioned, which is, I want to walk like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Well, I don't know what he would do because you've been telling me he wouldn't do the things that it seems like he would do. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. And so there was all that inner struggle. I actually had pulled out an old Bible study series that we had. I think there was like, I think it's probably 18 tapes or yeah, probably 18 tapes, like, you know, old tape Bible study series, like to date myself, right? Um, that you would order from the Christian radio station. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so I pulled out those, um, and I think it was Chuck Missler, I think it was a Chuck Missler study, where he was going to go through basically uh, lining up all the commandments in the Old Testament and all the commandments in the New Testament. And I felt like if, if I lined those up, then I could know, because the ones that remain are the ones I don't need to do, right? Like, The ones that line up, those are the ones I should do because those, you know, that just made sense in my head. Um, And so I was in the midst of that study. We started with Passover that that first year we were doing the feast all together. So we kept Passover. We actually kept Unleavened Bread, which up to that point we had not done. You know, we just did the traditional Mm -hmm. for Jesus Seders up to that point. And we kept Unleavened Bread and all the feasts all the way through. And we hit the fall feast. And this is about the time that I started the Chuck Missler series. And as we finished up the fall feast, we were really left in this place. I mean, when we when we started keeping the feast, we had no desire to do anything beyond just this fun little year thing of the feast. Right, we had right. no inkling that how it would open our eyes to the difference mm-hmm. between the things of Yahweh and the things of the world that we were celebrating. I mean, we just we were clueless. It was just something that was biblical that we wanted to experience. That's all. Right. Um, and as we, you know, came to the end of that, we'd actually started a little Bible study group in our home again, um, because that just always happened to be the way things went with us. Um, but I mean, it was us and like six other adults. I mean, you know, a little right. tiny Bible study group one, I don't know, probably Wednesday night. And we had no church and we were feeling like, okay, you know, the end of these feasts are happening. And, and both of us, uh, my ex-husband and I recognized like everything that we've gone through this year seems and feels so different than everything we're about to re-enter into. Right. Like, like, cause we're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, yeah. And, and that, and, and that whole getting into the holiday season, if you will, the holiday spirit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just felt so different from what we had been in. And so we were just in this wrestling place. We were just really, you know, I'm seeking out what commands do I keep? I really want to walk like Jesus. I mm-hmm. I just want to be able to know what it means to be holy and walk the way that he would call me to walk. And I, I'm struggling and so frustrated because I don't know what that's supposed to look like. And so we reached out to Brad and we hadn't talked to him for probably about two years. I mean, we spoke with them, but not like in deep detail, right, 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 right. hugging, having, you know, sitting down to dinner kind of Bible study thing, just in, you know, very much passing um, in probably two years. And we're like, hey, we're out here. We still haven't found a church. You know, what would you suggest? And Brad said, well, I I just started the tape ministry of Wild Branch. And he's like, I'm going to send you out some tapes. And then I will start recording the Bible study that we used to be part of all those years Mm -hmm. earlier. And I'll send out to you. And then we can talk. And we had just got online. 
like just started to get online. And so it was like, and he had just got online for ministry purposes and stuff. And so it's like, we can, you know, email back and forth, you know, those kinds of things. So he sent the tapes and the first tape he sent was Church on the Rock or On the Rock. That's a great one. (laughs) It is. Oh my gosh. Which answered so many questions of why we both felt so strange moving back into the holiday season, if you will. Yes. And then how then shall we live? Which is, okay, so this is who we are. Like it answered the question of what am I supposed to actually be doing as a believer? Right. Yeah, had been doing so much in my heart and in our hearts up to that point. But that was definitely like the, here's how I'm going to answer all the questions that just have you perplexed, if that makes sense. Like, I'm going to give you yeah. some tools to be able to dig in the word in a way that you're going to really get some answers instead of kind of like this lost little mining child over here, not finding anything about right. what I'm doing. So, so, yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. And by the way, those two tape series that you mentioned, they are still available online. Church on the Rock or on the rocks is free at wildbranch.org. And then How Then Shall We Live is available for $20 yep, for yep. that series. Yeah. And those are so highly recommended. I remember the history of the church, Church on the Rock or on the Rocks, blew my hair back. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was so mind-blowing that it completely changed my perspective on a great many things. And a lot of things started to make sense again. Yeah. So Yeah. First of all, I was blessed to be born again into a teaching practice that was that is very different than a lot of people. Yes. And I yes. still had to go through this journey. That says a uh, lot, right? <laughs> um, I, at this point, I mean, I was born again in, if I was 17, yeah, 90 would be mm-hmm. when I was born again. And this is 97. So, you know, 97, actually it was 98 by the, when he sent us the, the things because we kind of started that path in 97 and 98 is when we got the tapes. So, I mean, that's a long journey. Um it is, especially considering I kind of had the fast route. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I had questions only probably because, or I, get, I mean, we shouldn't, I don't want to negate the real Kapodesh because obviously that's the true leader in all of this. Mm-hmm. But, but I, it was kind of like I'd been shown the treasure and then moved away from the treasure where a lot of people were like, I think there's a treasure here somewhere. So right. I don't know. I think that, I think that says a lot about, about us and, um, just as a believer is the patience that we yeah. need to have with each other. So, Thanks for listening to Walk Like a Hebrew. Come back next week for the second part of Alicia's story. Remember to visit sheholdsforth.com where you can find more shareable links to the podcast episodes, a donation link, and more. Also, now you can follow Walk Like a Hebrew on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Walk Like a Hebrew. Many thanks to Jack Lane of Folsom, California for the music. May Yehovah bless you. We'll catch you next time.